This is People Every Day. Coming up, Andy Cohen opens up about Sun Ben and whether he'd ever do his own reality show. I think I would be horrible. I think I would be editing myself. Plus, Jill Duggar's ongoing family separation and Brooke Shields' terrifying freak accident. It's March 24th. Hello out there. This is People Every Day presented by Macy's. It's me, Janine Rubenstein here, and it is hump day. Yes, Wednesday it is. I'm actually going to dub this Watch What Happens Wednesday because later in the show, we bring you People's exclusive interview with Andy Cohen. People.com associate editor Jody Guglielmi caught up with the Bravo boss man this week, and he talks real housewives and the history of reality TV. Also, how he coped with being sick with COVID last year and details of about toddler son, Ben. Uh, You know that's going to be a good time, so I don't even have to tell you to stick around. Right now, though, let's talk top stories. I've got digital head of editorial Zoe Ruderman with me today, and we're going to break it all down, right, Zoe? Yes, we are. I'm ready. Yeah, starting with the Duggars. Remember them? I do, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I've been thinking about them a lot today, actually. They're back in the news today. Well, Jill Duggar, the the fourth child of Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar, um, is back in the news because she made a pretty surprising statement that she hasn't been over mom and dad's house in two years. Why is this so, so out there for this family? Yeah, this is a big deal. So just as a reminder for everyone, Jill, who is married to Derek, um, is part of this very, very large family. And it used to be a real really tight-knit family. They were obviously on the show together. They spent a lot of time at the house. They call it the big house, which is um, Jim, Bob, and Michelle's house. (laughs) And we knew um, about a year ago that she had, in her own words, been distancing from the family. This was before we were all talking about social distancing. She was sort of ahead Mm -hmm. of the trend there, (laughs) not for COVID reasons, but just to kind of have some space. But yeah, she and Derek revealed on their YouTube channel recently that they have not been over there except once to check the mail, which is like, kind of as cold as it gets. Like I'm going to pick up my mail, not even to say hello to my parents. Not coming inside. I have to say though, I I respect why they're doing it. They said this is like to prioritize their mental health and their well-being. Um, Derek said that there are a lot of triggers when they go over there. We know that this family um, has very particular views on a lot of things. Like they're ultra conservative. They're really religious. And not just like they're a religious family. It's like no dancing, no showing your midriff, no showing your shoulders, your knees, um, no music that isn't Christian yeah. music. So they, we knew that this couple had felt it, it was kind of oppressive and they wanted to live their own lives. You know, she wears jeans now. They've talked openly about birth control and sex. Birth control. Yeah. yeah which that's, is a- that's what I was going to talk about because, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time covering when I was on the TV team covering the Duggars. And I remember one of my first cover stories for people was Amy Duggar, the rebel Duggar cousin Amy who um, definitely did her own thing years ago and Jill was still very much in you know the family camp in the big house at that time but you saw that kind of shift happening they went and uh, she and Derek got married and they went on their mission trips you know out of the country and they separated themselves in that way and then you hear more and more about you know just how she's living her life she's talked about sex something you do not do as a Duggar um, she then, drank yeah. a pina colada I mean she it's drank like a pina 
pina colada. Things that are super taboo for the family. Like, yes, exactly. We laugh about it, but it is a really, really big deal. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, over the last couple of years, they've just realized like, this is not aligned with our goals as a family. They have two kids now. I think she's thinking a lot about like the family that she wants to create. Yeah. And, and of course, we should mention that there has been just a lot of controversy surrounding this family and things that, you know, all of the siblings and the 19 kids and counting, I think there's 20 something now have have had to deal with. I mean, if you go back to 2015, that that huge year where um, it was you know, revealed that, that Josh Duggar, his parents, you know, told Fox News that his, their oldest son had, had inappropriately touched some of his siblings. Um, there was just so much that came out of that and the, the show was canceled and, and then they came back with counting on. And I think, I think it's still on the air, right? So it's it like, is, yeah. And, you know, I think we see that obviously, you know, six years ago, that really changed the dynamic of the family. And, oh, yeah. you know, there was, um, a, a bit more distance, you know, among this family that had previously been really, really tight. And we don't know the extent that, you know, as far as which daughters were involved and who was impacted by this. But regardless, you know, this is, it's understandable that someone would want to kind of create some distance between the big house and and their new family. Moving on to the Royals, they have had a bunch of just notes and and things popping up. So we just need to catch people up because we hit them really hard for a long time. (laughs) And then we and then we pump the brakes. But now there is more news and happy news. So so take me through some of the things that interested you most out of London. Yes, I am most excited about Zara Tyndall's new baby. So yeah. um, Zara is, um, she's Anne's daughter. She is um, the Queen's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. She and her husband, Mike Tyndall, who's um, a rugby player in the UK, they just had their third baby. But the best part about this is they had the baby in at home in the bathroom on the floor unplanned. This was not an at-home plan. Oh break. my goodness. This was like, we can't get to the hospital in time. So um, Mike actually went on his podcast and talked about how on Saturday she was starting to feel contractions. And then on Sunday, their friend was over and was like, this baby's coming and you don't have time to get to the hospital. So oh my he actually said he like ran into their gym in their house and he was like, I got mats, I got towels, and like cetera. <laughs> I just love that he like sprang into action. There's no way my husband oh my would just goodness. be paralyzed and not paralyzed. Like, yeah. what, what, what do I do? He might leave actually. Yeah. And this was triggering for me because I literally showed up at the, with Ramey, my last baby that was born last year, I showed up at the hospital and they were like, you're 10 centimeters. <gasps> there's no epidural. There's no anything. We're going now. And I was like, what? At least you, said, if you hadn't gotten here like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be like it an been, Uber baby yeah. for you. No yeah. thanks. Yeah, no but thanks. you know, everyone was healthy. Um, their midwife was nearby and showed up. And then the second midwife actually showed up just as the baby's head was starting to become visible. So it was ultimately good timing. Um, I thought it was really sweet. Mike Tyndall, the dad, said that he was most excited about it being a home birth because then he got to do skin to skin that afternoon while watching rugby and golf. So it worked out for him and he's happy <laughs> with how this, this happened. But yeah, you know, the, the palace released the statement that the queen and Philip are really thrilled and can't wait to meet, um, the 10th, uh, great grandchild when everything is safe. And the baby's name is actually a nod to Philip and a nod to, uh, Mike's dad. That's what we, we believe to be true since the name is Lucas Philip. Tyndall. Nice. Yeah. Oh, we needed some happy news coming out we of did. coming out of Kensington. Yeah. Now I'm like, mm, is Megan gonna have a home birth? I'm like, I was oh, almost wondering. She totally would. Don't you think she like totally California kind of hippie girl? I feel like. Oh yeah. There will one. be flowers. It'll be like a water birth and like with petals and everything like that. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm here for that. I'm into it. <laughs> 
he'll be all blissed out. But wait, okay, before we go, uh, there's some news with Harry too. He, he's he's working now. He's a working man. He's a working man. I mean, daddy's got to make a paycheck. There's a second baby right? coming. Yeah, college is expensive. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, uh, he's got a new role. So he is, he's going to become the chief impact officer of um, this company called Better Up Inc. And it's a coaching and mental health company. Now, obviously, nice. this That's is... in his wheelhouse. It totally yeah. is. And I thought it was really cool that he said like, this isn't just, um, this isn't just a job for me. It's sort of like, um, I'm also a client. He talked about how um, like he's actually used their services. He's been really open about struggling with mental health and really removing the taboo of going to speak to someone and getting coaching and therapy, uh, therapy from people. So you know that he is speaking from experience with these things. Yes, yes, for sure. And, and, and just one other thing I saw was that like, we are getting a little bit more of the palace talking about diversity and what they're doing there. They, they issued that. Um, well, it was a, actually a, a source who, who told us that diversity is an issue, which has been taken very seriously across the royal households. We have policies, the procedures and programs in place, but we haven't seen the progress we would like in terms of representation and more needs to be done. So that whole, you know, we're going to handle this as a family behind the scenes. It does seem like, you know, there are some wheels turning in that regard. It's a good thing. I'm really happy to hear this. Hopefully it will um, start to make a difference. I mean, the person who comes into this role will be up against some big challenges, but certainly something oh, yeah. that's necessary. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Zoe, thank you so much. Thank you. So with me now is People's East Coast News Editor, Liz McNeil, who I love. We've worked together for years. And I'm telling you, this woman can get anything out of anybody. Like, it, she's a legend here. And uh, she just got a big exclusive with iconic supermodel, Brooke Shields, who's telling us all about just a horrific accident that, get this, she thought she might not walk again. So Liz, tell us about what happened to beautiful Brooke. Uh, so Brooke had this amazing story to share. She was just at the gym in January, finished her workout, finished her workout with the balance board. And as she was putting it away, another gym goer said, um, you make that look so easy. You know, how do you do it? And Brooke had said it had taken her a year to master the balance board. And she was showing him, lost her focus for one second, ended up falling, flying up in the air, and landed kaboom right on her uh, femur. Wait, okay, so explain to everyone what the balance board is for those who don't frequent gyms <laughs> and haven't for the past year. <laughs> uh, I must admit, I've never been on the balance board. Um, but it's uh, sort of, I guess, what it looks almost like a, a skateboard. And you balance it with your core muscles, right? You balance uh-huh. your body on it. Uh, and by doing that, so there's, I guess, a, a little bit of a seesaw motion. Brooke had even said it took her a long time to even get comfortable with it. And so Brooke being Brooke, uh, always doing good things for other people. She's such a great person, uh, offered to show the other guy. And that's when she, just for that one split second, lost her focus, fell, flipped up in the air, and then came down kaboom. Okay, so let's listen to a little bit of what she told you about that moment and how scary it was. I just started screaming. Sounds came out of my system that that I've never heard before. I've never screamed at the top of my lungs like that. And I kept saying, I can feel my toes. I can feel my toes. Because I was so afraid that I was paralyzed. Just such a freak accident, right? But it was, it was bad. So, so, so what was the diagnosis? 
she um, broke her femur, which is the largest bone in your body, and uh, immediately went to surgery, ended up having two surgeries. She's got two rod, metal rods uh, in her hip down to her knee, uh, secured with five screws and a metal plate over it. And she's got a long road ahead, a long road of recovery ahead. But she wanted to share her story because she talked a lot about it's so daunting what's ahead for her learning to walk again, but she also has to remember where she came from, which was not being able to move on the mat and worried that she might not ever be able to walk again. Gosh. And then like, just how is she, how is she staying so, so positive? Is it that, is it just the perspective of like, at least, you know, at least I'm mobile yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, she was in the hospital for a month on and off during COVID, uh, which was also difficult. She couldn't see her family. But of course, she also, you know, learned a lot from talking to the doctors and nurses at that time. And she was saying, you know, I have asthma and I, I, I realize like I'm so lucky that I can breathe. So I guess with a lot of these things, there's always that question of perspective. You know, Brooke has a really, like, Brooke has survived so many things. And the thing that's so interesting about her is that we've grown up with her. The, the romances, going to college, uh, um, when she shared a, her postpartum depression for the first time, when women didn't talk about postpartum depression back then. Mm-hmm. And so um, she wanted to sort of bring us along with her in her recovery. And to answer your question, you know, she said uh, there was a moment when she said to her husband, I don't know if I can be strong anymore, or why do I always have to be the strong one? And he said, you know what, you've always been strong. That's who you are. And she talks a lot about baby steps, right? Uh, literally and metaphorically that this is what she has to do it really is one little step at a time wow I love it Liz thank you so much for taking us through this story I love seeing you Next up, Bravo host with the most, Andy Cohen gets candid. I wanted to know the answer, but also I was like, ooh, I think I'm making good TV right now. Doesn't he always? (laughs) Stay tuned. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so as promised, a special treat coming at you today, guys. People.com's Jody Guglielmi caught up with Andy Cohen this week about life, work, and the new e-docuseries he's hosting called For Real, The History of Reality TV that takes us through the years of small screen. I can't believe that just happened. Are you sure it's not scripted? Oh my goodness. Did you watch last night? 
chaos <laughs> that is reality television. Andy basically has a PhD in this field. So listen in to what he told Jody about making the show and everything else he has going on. What was something that you learned while making the show that like surprised you even? Well, I was, again, I was really surprised by the Bachelor episode, how the producer will whisper something in their ear, like, you know, they basically are saying like, oh, she's definitely choosing you when they know they're not getting chosen. So that part of their surprise on camera is like, you know, they're, you know, they're so sure. I mean, it's really smart. Having been behind the scenes and, and working as an executive producer of Top Chef and Project Runway, we would never we would never say that, you know, everything you see on that show is totally honest to how it played out in terms of their expectations and reality. That stuff is always like so interesting to me. Yeah, me too. And I could like watch that for hours. Like the science behind reality TV is super interesting because years ago when it kind of first started coming on the scene, it was in some ways thought of as like a little bit of a joke. Like people weren't really taking it seriously. Reality stars weren't taken very seriously. And now fast forward, it dominates TV and reality stars are considered celebrity wise up there with like A-list actresses and actors. Why do you, how do you think it's evolved over the years? Well, I mean, look, it's invo- it's evolved. It's you know what was happening in 1991 was the real world basically, and that's it. And now there are so many forms of there's love TV, there's aspirational docu series like The Housewives or soap opera docu series like The Housewives. There's families like The Kardashians and The Osbournes. There's competition based on skill. There's competition based on strength. I mean, it's in every direction uh, and. I think that the, 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 that there have been some huge stars made in the genre. And I think that's because they're real people and, and, and they're, they're on the one hand really accessible. People feel like they know them. And then on the other hand, they're totally out there. Do you remember the first reality TV show that really got you hooked? It was a real world New York. And that's why I cried during that real world New York reunion. When I reunited them, I was so moved because they had really, they had really affected me. Um, They, they, they played a big part of my career in television, I think, and just my fandom of the genre. I mean, that's kind of cool to think about just coming from where you're at. You interact with so many celebrities all the time, whether they're reality star or mainstream Hollywood. So for you to have that kind of an emotional response to like seeing these people all come back together, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, you know, I have strong cultural touch points or pop cultural touch points in my life. And that was definitely one of them. Would you ever do a reality TV show like about your life? No, I would not. I mean, I know how the sausage is made. So I think I would be horrible. I think I would be very, I think I would be editing myself. I think I would be, I would be very good stepping into someone else's reality show because I would try to blow things up. But if it was mine, I would be very Valerie Cherish. I would be trying to control everything and um, it wouldn't work out. Like you just want to be a guest at the Kardashian Christmas party and like cause a scene or something as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was on an episode of the Kardashians once 
when I ran into Chloe at a party and I immediately started asking her all these really personal questions because I thought, oh, well, this is great. You know, I wanted to know the answer, but also I was like, oh, I think I'm making good TV right now. Well, and that's also like sometimes what comes with being a reality star, like you touched on their lives are their career. So I think in some ways, like a lot of people feel very comfortable asking them very personal questions because like, and a lot of instances, that's, that's why I, yeah, that's why, I mean, listen, that's one of the reasons why I ask celebrities such personal questions because I've been asking the housewives such personal questions for so long. It's what made me comfortable doing that. I also have to make note of the timing of when we're talking because right now a lot of people are reflecting on it's been a year since COVID really started. You were like one of the first people to come out and say, hey, I have COVID. And it was really when a lot of people didn't know, we didn't know anything like what this was going to look like. Looking back now, almost exactly a year later, what do you kind of think of when you look back on that experience? It just felt all so unknown. It was so weird. Someone was reminding me the other day, it was the day that I announced it was the day that we also had announced a few hours earlier that I was about to start doing episodes of Watch What Happens Live at home. And I had been not feeling well for like 10 days. And finally, finally, a few days before I was like, I should get tested and get my nanny tested because we're both here and I don't feel great. And anyway, but I just never expected it would come back positive, which is why I was like, great, we're doing watch what happens live from home. So it was so random. But um, what I remember about, it was just a very bleak time. I didn't feel good. I had no appetite. I was in my room with the door closed for two weeks, hearing my son down the hall who didn't know where I was you know, I started binging Game of Thrones. That was a positive. I lost w- weight, which was great. I've gained it all back and more. And it's incredible that we've been at this for a year. I mean, it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's shocking that it's been a year. It feels like the longest year, but also weirdly the fastest year because we yeah. did nothing, which speeds yeah. up and slows down time somehow. But also everybody has done so much in adapting. And like you said, you went on to film your show from home for a while and you were also home with Ben this whole time. What has this past year just being able to spend so much time with him that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have had? What has that meant to you as a dad? Oh, I mean, it's just a year that I never could have. I mean, I would have been gone so much, you know. So, I mean, it's just been great. I've gotten to see so much. He's gotten to be with me. I mean, it may be a shock to his system when life gets back to normal that he's going to be like, where are you going? Well, we've seen him play. Everybody is obsessed with his friendship um, with Anderson Cooper and Anderson Cooper's son. What is it like for you guys getting to see your kids now bond? It's really cute. I mean, we're just always kind of amazed and we go over there every Saturday or Sunday for a visit. And um, it's just, I mean, it's great for Anderson and I are just basically killing time between naps at this point, our kids naps. And, you know, it's great to see them. Wyatt is starting to be at a really fun age. He's like nine months and Ben always gives him a hug and gives him a kiss and like we'll get over there and Wyatt will be sleeping and Anderson will say, do you want to come into his room to wake him up with me? And Ben's like, yeah. And so they go in there and they wake him up and it's really cute. 
That, my friends, was Andy Cohen, interviewed by People's Jody Guglielmi. For more on him, head over to People.com. And now, you guessed it, something to make you smile. Rapper Big Sean took to Instagram with a truly sweet moment this past Monday. He revealed that his favorite cartoon character as a kid was Goku from the cult classic Japanese animated series Dragon Ball Z. So, when he got the chance to meet Sean Schemmel, the actor who voiced Goku, he knew the introduction wouldn't be complete without a very special someone. He loved, 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 and still loves, I guess, Dragon That's Big Sean's mom, who confirms he was obsessed with the show as a little boy. She could hardly contain her enthusiasm, smiling from ear to ear while meeting the real Goku. Though, I do imagine there was a time where she was like, turn it off and go do your homework. <laughs> But Big Sean's not alone. There are tons of millennials and more who are still obsessed with the fast-sprinting Saiyan warrior. Besides, none of us ever truly grow up. It just looks like it on the outside. (laughs) Have a great one. Talk to you tomorrow.